Greetings, true believers, and welcome to episode 11 of the Pull List Podcast Season 2, a bi-weekly show about comics, pop culture, and faith. My name is Chris Poirier, and with me, as always, is my comic co-host and comic book guru himself, the one and only Hector. I don't think as a Christian I'm allowed to be called a guru. Oh. Um, I think that gets into like uh, some like uh, prosperity issues or something so uh maybe or you just need to write more books wait you already have all those books anyway uh i have enough i'm tired (laughs) yeah that's good so not guru but you're really good at comics so welcome and so on today's episode of the pull list we do have a great show for you whether there's gurus involved or not we're gonna hit the latest news uh that you need to know our most recent pull recommendations from the last two weeks and even our favorite new number ones and there were a metric ton of number ones this is the pull list podcast so strap yourselves in and prepare yourselves for we've got comic sign Oh, it's good to be back, and it's time to bring you all of the DC news. I mean, the comic book news. And Hector and I were kind of talking a little bit before the show, and it was weird because I feel like I went through a ton of industry news over the last two weeks, and the industry was just like, here, have some DC. And everyone else is like, we're cool, bro. I don't know. It's just how it shook out. Um, But we do have some interesting things kind of going on, at least in the DC universe, and uh, kind of a new announcement out of Marvel. And just off the top, for all of you that were really looking forward to the DC Swamp Thing Halloween special, don't worry, it's still coming, just something changed. And that something is, the headliner was supposed to be Tom King for the writing of that, and he is no longer listed in the solicitation. There's not a lot of explanation as to why, but some people do kind of think the fact of, Tom's just writing a lot right now. <laughs> Did you and, see Tom's announcement though for uh what's coming in November, I believe? Um is the Rorschach thing or even more? Well, that's the thing that he's got so many things that are coming and maybe I did miss it. Um, I feel like a he, bad person. He did a Twitter announcement that Phantasm is coming to Bat and Cat in November. Oh, yes. Um, I probably should have put that in here because, yes, we're going to see Phantasm in regular continuity, and that's pretty freaking great. I totally forgot about that because I saw the shield and everything, and I like did the little fanboy dance and everything, and then I completely forgot about it. See, this is why podcasts are glorious and why there's two of us, because we'll remember things between the two of us. But yeah, so Tom dropped out of the halloween special with swamp thing which will still probably be pretty awesome because swamp things in it um but yeah it's because he's got a lot going on he's got rorschach he's got that going on he's just all over the place doing tom king things so i guess we forgive him for now um so that's a thing but also kind of buried in all the industry news is and we talked a little bit about this on the last episode but there's been some rumors out there that the remnants or at least the setup to what was supposed to be the 5g reboot of the dc universe um before didio got released um still exists that they have stories that were written and i guess dc is kind of like well this stuff is done we should release it and we'll come up with other names or we'll elseworld it or whatever just like we're getting with ridley's um batman 
um, apparently parts of 5G may be repackaged as basically a mini thing called Shattered. And this is rumors at this point. There's not a lot supporting it. And then DC tried to come out, I think, yesterday as part of part two of DC fandom, which if you didn't know, there was a part two um, from part one that was supposed to sort of more. Yeah, there's sort of more, and we'll get to that. Um, but they said, no, no, we're definitely not doing that thing, so who knows. But if we see anything called Shattered, it is possible that they're going to take some of the stories that did get written, that was supposed to be handing off of the generations to a younger generation of DC comic superheroes. It may be coming, so keep your ear to the ground on that one. And that kind of does bring us into that second part of, hey... Did you know that DC Fandom had a second part? I found out on the internet yesterday. Right. So as we're recording this, like right now, part two is going on. And part two literally was all the comic book retailers and comic book fans going, wow, Fandom was really cool. We got to see all those cool trailers and everything. But you had like two panels on comics for a comic book company. And they're like, yeah, yeah, we got you. Um, We're going to do another weekend of that. And well, (laughs) um, that's now so when you hear this it's already happened and on the first day they also had some major technical issues and crashed it into the ground they blamed the riddler and made some snarky comments about the riddler ruining their parade or something um but their website just didn't work so they lost part of yesterday and i was going through the news hoping that i could say cool comic book stuff that came out of part two and i got nothing for you fam so i'm gonna keep an eye out for a readout on what actually got discussed kind of after the fact because hopefully we would see something for what is it um endless winter um what actually is coming next in dc continuity um maybe a little more on the rorschach book see chris is just now telling you what i hope they talked about um so that we can have some cool things to talk about. But yeah, so that was a thing as well. So like I said, all this DC news. Um, and just to end on that wonderful high note, um, we have Batman Day coming. And I think I alluded to this as well the last episode. But yeah, so Batman Day is September 19th. So you should hear this in time for preparing for it. But the D- comic shops pretty much got the short end of the stick on this one um, that DC prepared absolutely nothing for them, uh, that it was all digital uh, down to comics and kits and all kinds of stuff where normally we would get tons of stuff on Batman Day. Like we would get we'd have to FOC it like way out in advance. Um And they're like, oh, our bad. Uh, COVID sucks. So nothing for you. And the retailers are like, yeah, COVID does suck. How about giving us something so we can try to put some joy back into people's lives? And in the middle of all of it, they were kind of like, well, maybe. And then hold on to your seat of your pants, folks. Of all organizations, Diamond Distributors came out in the middle and went, we'll totally distribute some cool um, Batman and Catwoman masks for everybody in time for Batman Day as long as you get them to us, DC. And DC did a, 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 a sure. So if you keep your eye out, and I believe also, if I read it correctly, that they were going to do that at zero cost to the retailer so that there'd actually be something to benefit some of them. So if you need a really terrible cutout paper mask of Batman and Catwoman, and who doesn't, you can try to keep an eye out to see if your store was able to get their hands on some of those. Um, It just feels really weird to celebrate 80 plus years of Batman and it not be in a comic book store, but maybe that's just me. I enjoyed Batman Day. We always had cake. No, I love Batman Day. And there's always cake at the local shop. And 
you know, there's usually sales and stuff like that. And I go just for that. Just to Yeah. Well, we've had this conversation before that community is still one of the biggest and most important parts of the comic book industry. And well, yeah, we know COVID's made things harder. That's that's no doubt. Um, but even more so than usual, people just they're looking for people, which sounds weird, but and it sounds even more weird in COVID, but you know, wear your mask, be safe, wash your hands, um, and celebrate Batman Day, hopefully. But shifting gears a little bit, I do have some Marvel news. And I said that as we started, that it's weird that it's like just this deluge of DC information. And maybe it's just because there's a lot going on and there kind of is. But do you remember it was probably a year ago, two years ago, that Black Cat got her own series kind of spun out of the spider stuff. And it kind of abruptly ended around issue 12 or 13. Um yeah, they still, give it, they still give number ones away free at, like, cons and junk. <laughs> I, um, that sounds right. Um, but Black Hat is coming back in December, I believe I have in my notes. Yes, that, that series. And I think they're going to pick up at 14. I don't get the impression they were going to renumber one it, but it's Marvel. They're probably going to renumber one it because um, that's how you get stuff to hand out at cons. Literally, the sh- the show I did the day before COVID shut everything down, I walked away with a stack of Black Cat number ones. Yeah, so for, for folks that may be confused or curious about this, when any company does a number one, usually you go heavy in it because there are going to be variants that you can purchase, and the variants are where the money actually is. So sometimes you'll get one in 10s, one in 25s, one in 50s, one in 100s, one in 500s, and then those ultra-coveted one in 1,000s. Basically, if you sell a one in 1,000 at what they, in theory, are worth um, being a one in 1,000 item, you can pay for the 1,000 comics that you are never going to sell <laughs> to to recover because that means a shop had to buy a 1,000 regular covers to get that one one in 1,000 variant. And that becomes the book that we then give away at events, conventions, etc. because we already made our money somewhere else and we literally just have all of this comic that now we don't have much we can do with. So that's usually where those things come from and it's a fascinating bit of the economy because the other thing that's really fascinating – sorry, I'm like totally nerding out here but I guess that's why you're all here um, – is – that thousand books that a store had to buy to get that one in 1000 goes against that book's sales record because the store bought those. So that's why comics can be a little weird. Like we talked a few weeks ago in terms of what sell through numbers actually mean is because a lot of stores might've bought 5,000 books to get five, one in a thousand variants. If they exist to make all of their money off from selling those five, not the 5,000, the five. (laughs) Um, so Comics are weird, um, but they're still kind of fun. And that's what a lot of us in the industry refer to as um, variant math or the infamous Marvel math because they also will allow us to combine multiple covers or even multiple issues of something to cover variant purchases. And you literally have to sit there and do math across multiple things because none of the ordering systems will do it for you um, to figure out if you meet the thresholds for certain things. So – If you ever catch one of your comic book store owners on FOC day, like screaming at the computer, that's why. (laughs) And you should take pity upon them and buy them a coffee because they need it. 
So from my end, that's all I really caught in the news. I don't know if you saw anything else that we should definitely talk about here or if we can jump into. I kind of already envisioned the show as I looked at it was there's just a lot of comics out in the last two weeks that there are we're outside of get, uh, Robert Pattinson get, getting COVID. Mm. Oh, yeah. Um, the so. bat got the bat disease. No that thing. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. pretty bad. Yeah. It's not good. Yeah. It's not good. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we'll see how much that slows down production. Um, so that will be interesting. But, yeah, I think I'm going to move us right along then because this is a comic show this week and we're going to talk a ton about a bunch of comics. So that's what you need to know from industry. And that's kind of our bi-weekly look at the industry and delivering you the inside knowledge. And as always, you can join us in on the conversation with Hector and I and all of your other nerdy friends on the Love Thy Nerd and Facebook in the Facebook community or on the Discord. And all those links are available on the website, but also in our show notes. So if you have any questions, just hop on over and you can talk with us over there. We got a comics channel on the discord and in the community, just about everything nerdy goes. So jump in and talk to us about what we missed, what we said, and also what's kind of on your mind, because like we constantly say, this is the community and we want to serve you and also learn all the wonderful nerdy things and comics that we may be missing out on. And so, like we said, we're talking about tons and tons of comics this week. Um, I kind of took a look at it over the last two weeks. Uh, I had 25 books I read in the last two weeks. In the last two-week period before that, I had like 30-something. That that seems to be my average. So if people are wondering how much stuff I'm reading to bring you three to five books, that's about what I'm reading. Um, I, don't, I don't know the numbers, but I know that <laughs> how the much price. it costs. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> I know that uh, on average, I'm somewhere between... 40 to 70 every week. So that means you're probably about the same because that's about what my average um, cost at my shops are. And of course, you know, like special editions and or black label. But it's okay because Love Thy Nerd pays for all of our books. (laughs) Wait, they do? Oh, wait. No, never mind. That's not real. Hold on. I'm getting a phone call. No. (laughs) Dang it. But you can donate money directly to Chris at. No, just kidding. Um, we love our comics. We won't make you pay for them. We're just going to buy them and stack them in our closet like good comic book collectors. So before before we move up to that, I had a uh, a trauma this week. Oh, um, no. Uh, my kids are home doing remote learning and everything. Um, and I've got a 12-year-old who, you know, watches my other kids. And, you know, it's there. They're, she earns her babysitting money. And um, mm-hmm. I'm at church in the middle of doing something whatever I was doing and I get a phone call from my daughter. So I answer and dude, it is the most violent, um, ugly cry sobbing. Oh no. Uh, like it's, it's to the point that when I answer the phone and I hear her breathing before she ever speaks, you knew. I knew something was terribly wrong. Like the dad panic in me is like, did someone get hurt? Did someone die? Um, <laughs> right. I'm like, I'm literally running through the the checklist of all the possible wrong things. And my heart's already sank down into my like, the calluses of my feet. I'm like, it's I'm, I'm literally shaking. I'm so scared just hearing her breathe. And this is in a matter of seconds. And she starts trying to talk to me. And she's hyperventilating and she's so freaking panicked. And um, so I finally get her to calm down. I'm like, tell me what happened. What's wrong? What's wrong? And um, she's like, 
I spilled a cup of hot tea on your comics. And I'm like, oh. I'm like, don't. What? Um, I was like, because I, I thought, you know, legit thought someone had died. Or she's like, I spilled a cup of hot tea on all your new books. So, like, all the comics I've purchased, like, since June, um, she, like, shotgun blasted with a cup of hot tea. Ooh. And, um, and I'm like, well... Because I know how I know how much of a dad's girl she is, and she's so sensitive, and obviously she was scared. I was like, okay, you don't need to be this freaked out. Um, uh, make sure you dry the floor, lay all the wet books out on a towel, and um, you know, well, I'll deal with it when I get home. And but it was just like she was so freaking panicked at the fear of how I was going to react about spilling comics, and I'm like. Um, it's okay. I'm glad you're safe. Thanks for telling me. Um, but then like my one thought was like, see, that's why I buy digital. <laughs> oh, oh, uh, uh, well, <laughs> but you know, I've, I've been buying physical books for like three or four months now. And then literally all of them are drenched. And I'm like, oh no. Oh. Cause but she had, if she if it was a quality tea, at least Uncle Iroh would have approved, yeah. right? She and had opened my box of recent stuff to get some books out and was sitting there reading oh. them. So I even had them long boxed and stored, and then like boop. But you know, we store this these cautionary around. tale has been brought Just, to you by Hector. Yes. So don't leave open tea around your books, and uh, if you do, comfort your children and let them Aww. know they're more valuable than your books Aww. if they are. Don't lie to them. <laughs> I meant to. <laughs> Don't lie to them. If if that uh now what was kind of scary this is like this is why Chris buys slabbed and graded key issues. Um, I my Star Wars number one from seventy seven was like maybe four inches from the splash zone. Um, Ooh. and uh, it's in like a slab, but it's not sealed. And I was like, oh no, that was like the one oh. I was genuinely worried about. But uh, that's cool. Sorry, oh, go on. Let's story, talk about story time, story time with Hector. Yeah. And it's Valuable Life Lessons brought to you by the Polis Podcast. Remember, read more comics and protect your comics with only the finest BCW boards and bags. And I wish they were a sponsor, but they're not. But and, protect your and, stuff if you if you value your stuff. There are ways. And to as Wu-Tang says, protect the neck. Protect the neck. For sure. So... Jumping in on, like we said, tons of comics. Um, what comics from the last two weeks really jumped out for you? Um, uh, so I'm going to say the most recent Batman. Um, again, I'm not thrilled. I don't think it's like the best Batman I've ever read. It's also not the worst. Um, it's Batman. Jo- it's, Batman. it's a thing. Joker War is not like mind blowing, but it's still better than Nightmares. Um Yes, we're we once again are still not dragging around the coffin of my dead wife slash your Mother. mom slash whatever. Yeah. So I mean that's gonna be the low point. Like the Looney Tunes issue was better than that. Um out of oh, nightmares. They really were. For those of well, you that, that don't know, there were a bunch of cross DC did a bunch of crossover with um Hanna Barbera and Looney Tunes stuff, but the Looney Tunes stuff was actually quite amazing. It was, and even the Looney Tunes issue of Nightmares, where it was uh, the Joker was, it was Batman and Joker as Wiley Coyote and Roadrunner. That 
I'm not mad at that issue. That issue was fun. Um, but the whole dragging a coffin through the desert while you have trauma, that's not fun. Anyway, um, Batman 98 once again beats the actual dead horse that is Alfred. Um, oh, man, right? <laughs> I'm like, can you please let me let this man lie. Alfred and move on? Alfred's been dead forever. What issue are we on? 98? 98. Um, Alfred died in like 73? Sounds right. Please stop. You know, <laughs> we're please? there. We get it. I mean, you guys have snapped Alfred's neck like in every issue for the last seven months. Please leave him alone. Um, my inner child is dying every time you do this. And I'd appreciate it. But this was supposed to be effectively Bruce letting Alfred go. Now, if if Alfred shows up again in 99, screw you guys. Um <laughs> like hector's not playing anymore i'm not timian i'm coming for you if you do this again and first well, of all he won't be a guest anytime soon um <laughs> I, I wouldn't let him um <laughs> but that's the thing like i also don't know how i feel and this is just me as a reader uh saying this i don't know how i feel about when a writer makes a big motion in their story and then uh, another writer just yanks it and beats it for the sheer novelty of it. I don't love that. Like, Yeah, I get the feeling that they're trying to really nail the PTSD angle of like Batman's really having difficulty letting go of this. But because of the way it's being done and the style that all of it's being done in, it just feels very overdramatic and not in a good way. Like, I, I have a feeling that Tom... And his perspective of watching this go down feels like it's cheap. That's an opinion. Yeah. Um, I kind of feel that way on the outside looking in as well. But I mean, that that's just my perspective because I saw the tact in which he handled Alfred's actual death issue. Not just the death issue, but the issue where he mourned Alfred just through the letter and the manifestation in your head tacky dead alfred i'm like bro you're cheapening the experience but anyway so that's a that's a thing for me um marauders number 12 uh, or also back up track to batman there was harley and punchline stuff surprise um again i still mad. don't care about punchline i don't care about punchline i am enjoying harley and if you know we had our final issue of harley recently and that also was a punchline battle and i'm like okay <laughs> but I'm like, Harley was a functional character with a good story arc before you threw Punchline out. Just saying. Um, but uh, Marauders 12 is our second issue back of the Marauders where you actually have Kitty Pride alive again. Oh, you mean Kate? Yeah, there's that. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I saw a bunch of articles this week where that are constantly using her formal name. And I'm like, not about this, but go on. No. Yeah, bump that junk. Um so where Kitty Pride is actually back, and honestly, I only read Marauders because I'm still a fan of Kitty from Joss Whedon's X-Men arc. Um, he made me love Kitty Pride, and so I'm reading it for that because the Kitty Pride we get in this is very much the Kitty Pride from X-Men. Um, but uh, just her whole response back in the beginning of X-Men slash X-Force of when Charles died, getting the tattoos and being a BA, like, I really loved it. And um, this is her coming back from the dead. And I really enjoyed the tension of the issue and the fact that it's her coming back from her 
welcome home party or it's her coming to her own celebration of life welcome back thing but she knows she's been murdered and she's already she, she knows she's been murdered but she also knows by who but she knows she's supposed to downplay it and not deal with it right now and actually interact with the people that murdered her and like because you know for spoilers uh well it's not spoilers god it's been forever um but sebastian shaw who's one of the x-men not only is he one of the x-men he's one of the high council x-men he's like on you can he you can get there yeah he's the black king he's on the whatever they call him but he's one of the uh primary leaders he's not on the official council but he's a high level leader um he murdered kitty and uh would have gotten away with it if it hadn't been for lockheed it's memories. Um, and so she has to interact with Sebastian Shaw and be up, you know, act like nothing's wrong. And all these people are at a party for her. And all she wants to do is deal to kill this dude. Um, and so originally in the, when she had her moment mourning Charles, she had the tattoos, the words tattooed on her knuckles, hold fast, which I love. And, um, but now, since she got resurrected, she didn't have her old tattoos, so she went back to a tattoo shop, got new tattoos, and literally had Kill Shaw tattooed across her knuckles. Um, oh. So, because she fully expects that the next time she sees him will be his death. Um, and that she has already shared a plan with Emma on what they're going to do to him, and apparently Emma loves it. So, that's not good for anyone. Uh so just 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 to backtrack here, come on, let's let's do the X-Men thing. So Sebastian Shaw is one of the seniors of the Hellfire Club. Yeah, but that and doesn't exist anymore. It, it does it? Um oh, but really. it's, it's super significant to the lore and even more so from the fact that we have a Phoenix story coming and Dark Phoenix was one of the times that they were very heavily featured um as a full organization. So I don't know, maybe Shaw and all of this and the fact that we know that another Phoenix coming is coming is important. See what I did there? I Mm. do. I see it. I see it. But yeah, so for the Kitty Pride's sake, I'm reading Marauders. I'm loving it. But I'm also at the place where uh, X-Force is barely hanging on for me. Like it's a thread nail. Like I officially gave up on Batman and the outsiders this close to the end. Like we're like two issues from the end or whatever. Yeah, I was going to say that one's going to end anyway and you couldn't make it. How no. dare you? Like I, I got to the point in the last or this week where I'm like, you're not worth $4. Um, I mean, so. that is the thing with comics is where the cheap ones are running three ninety nine, and you've got so many, Oh, it's an 80 pager. So now it's seven ninety nine. Yeah. that, yeah, that that struggle's real, fam. When when God was providing well for my family through COVID, I purchased comics without any financial reasoning, just because I wanted to support my local shops. Now I'm at the point where God's still equally providing, but I have to be fiscally responsible. So yeah, life is is a thing there. Yeah, so I can't keep buying comics without any hesitation and x-force is pushing its way out the door these are batman and the outsiders officially gone the door is closed um so there's that um i did pick up shazam number 14 and this is an absolute thing where uh, i you know purchased for the cover i haven't picked up shazam maybe in five issues or six just you made it longer than i did yeah um it was getting real corny uh the artwork is consistently bad i will say that it is probably the worst drawn dc book i've seen 
And the fact that you've got Jeff Johns writing this thing, but you can't get a decent artist on it, shame on all y'all. Um, <laughs> and shame on you, shame on your mother, dishonor on your cow. Cow, um, yep, there it is. So, all the things. Um, but this is the return of Superboy Prime. Um, but Superboy Prime is also making you know his appearance in uh, DC death metal but this is like in canon marvel shazam stuff is happening and we get superboy prime this is the final issue of shazam to my understanding um of this run and yeah, at least in current iteration as we understand it yeah yeah this is the final issue of shazam so if you just want to jump on for the train of it but here here's the sales pitch you get superboy prime versus shazam versus the shazamly versus Ka- versus black adam and everybody showed up yeah everybody showed up and it is a uber powered slugfest and it ends with like uh stuff happening i don't want to spoil that if you actually care but redacted uh uh, redacted if you if you remotely care about the shazamly um and one of my one of my favorite things is because if you're familiar with the character of superboy prime he has existed outside of the multiverse for you know a while um, from all the way from Infinite Crisis, he sat outside the multiverse and watched as things happened. Um, he, uh, when he finally starts to fight Billy, he's like, "Who are these other kids?" <laughs> like, <laughs> he's, he's like, "These aren't real people. Who the crap are these guys?" Um, he just low key was like, "You are not important." And that's why it's like he literally looked at the Shazam, but he's like, "Y'all aren't real." Uh, and I like, and as the continuity fan in myself, I'm like, "That's funny." Um, but so that's a thing. So if you want to go out with a bang on Shazam, it's available. And then uh, I also want to hit my favorite thing that I read in the past two weeks. And this came at the encouragement of many of you in the uh, pull list uh, community, um, as well as some other friends of mine across the intranet. Um, let's see. Uh, here's the build up. What'd you say? I said, here's the build up. Here's the buildup. Sorry, I stuttered. I'm, I have raspy, preachy voice from this morning. Um, the I I saw several people post about it, and I just didn't care. I I don't know about some. I don't know about you, but sometimes there are stories I just don't want to read until it's over. Yeah, this was, and where you're about to go is one of them for me too. So you know, can come on, Hector. This is your chance to convince me of something else that I might actually read. Okay, so. Uh, I'd seen the artwork, or so Wonder Woman Dead Earth is there. It is uh, the book that I've read this week, and there are four issues. There are the giant size DC black label books, um, and I again, this is me trying to support local shops um, with disdain in my voice. Um, I went to my local shop, and they didn't have the books. Um, like. I walked in. He's like, I know you were here to get the new books, but I don't have them. And he's like posting all the things on social media. Like, and I'm like, you couldn't have posted. You don't have your books. Um, <laughs> Cause I drove 40 miles one way to get said books. But anyway, um, I, I was like looking around and the, I guess issue four of dead earth had finally dropped recently. I was like, do you have all four issues of this? And I was like, okay, I'll take this. And so I picked up Wonder Woman Dead Earth. And uh, we had a day off with my family. I think it was maybe Labor Day weekend. And we just, you know, grilled her out or whatever. And I just sat down in the backyard and read all four issues straight through. Um, 
And I'm, I'm going to go ahead and throw this out there as a statement. Um, this is the best DC book of 2020. Easily. Um, it's extremely high, high praise right there. It is. Um, and, you know, you and I have been doing this for a minute. And if Curse of the White Knight was the best DC book for a season, and then Harleen was our best DC book of last year, um, this easily takes the cake. Um and I will I will make this statement. This is single handedly the best w- complete Wonder Woman story arc I've read in my adult life. Um, personally, I'm not telling I'm not telling anybody else to hype that up. That ooh, you need to buy it. I'm just telling you, sitting on the other side of this microphone, that this is the best Wonder Woman story story arc I've read as a whole story. Um, is there is there something you can point out without giving too much away that kind of yeah, establishes yeah, yeah. this for you? Yeah. So lay the, lay it for lay it out. The the gist of it is the story starts out roughly 300 years in the future. There has been some apocalyptic war thing. The earth is reduced to like burnt ash basically, and there is a small remnant of humans still on the planet. Uh on a scavenging mission, uh some humans fall into a cavern trying to run from a monster because guess what? The earth is overrun with horrible demonic looking monstery things. Um and so running from these, a group of people along with a monster fall into a cavern. And they're about to be horribly mutilated by the way this is a uber violent book this makes the walking dead look like uh you know marvel's wizard of oz um it's 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 like that it's it's some of the most violent imagery i've seen in a book um it honestly strikes me at that this would go hand in hand with frank miller's 300 um but the artwork's grittier um and that's one of the things too. I'm just—I know I'm rabbit trailing, but I'll say this: one of the things I love about this book is that they don't make Wonder Woman absolutely beautiful in every panel. Because, like, one of the things that I feel like gets in the way of taking Wonder Woman seriously as a gritty character sometimes is that sometimes it feels like there's more of an emphasis to draw her as beautiful than they do in character development. Um, there's plenty of panels where she straight up looks like tattered torn and you could tell there's no emphasis on trying to make her look beautiful they're just putting her as a character in a story um i feel like this is one of those books that actually drops that uh negative trope of having to have a female as a perfect depiction of beauty in every storyline i digress um so this group of people fall into a cavern and as they're right before they're devoured uh a hand reaches from beyond the panel and straight grabs a monster by the throat and rips its head off or whatever. Um, and turns out that they had fallen into the ashen remains of the Batcave. And in the Batcave was a coffin casket capsule doohickam a thinker that had a the body of Wonder Woman in it. Uh, if you've played Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, you know how you wake up 100 years later in a reanimation chamber? Um, uh, that's exactly how the story starts. Uh, Wonder Woman has just been awakened. I mean, literally, dude, this story plays out just like Breath of the Wild. Um, Wonder Woman has been in this suspended animation healing chamber thing 
for two or three hundred years has lost her memory for the of recent events of like what led her to being in that chamber and she's at let's say 25 percent power and so wonder woman decides to lead not and it doesn't go well either initially she decides to lead humanity's last remnant to safety on paradise island against unstoppable forces of monsters and evil very years of war at times uh like one of my favorite panels is like you get to see wonder woman jump a jeep into the throat of a giant monster while she busts open a can of gas pours it down its throat and lights it on fire like while she's in its mouth i mean it's like that kind of vicious um so you get this brutal story, but part of the thing is her regaining her memory slowly, finding out what happened to the rest of her heroes, finding out what happens to the rest of society. And there is a lot of moral debate. There's a lot of spiritual debate. There's a lot of stuff about forgiveness and things. And uh, remember how I freaked out um, with uh, the invisible chainsaw and death metal? Yes. Th- that's nothing. It's absolutely nothing. And I'm not going to, you know, put, um, uh, I'm not going to put the, uh, it's sort of a spoiler, but it's one of those things like 300 years later, she's the only hero left, um, out of everyone. She's the only hero left. Um, so one of the things is she comes across Superman's body. And this is why I say that the invisible chainsaw has nothing on this. When she comes across Superman's body, her division of a new weapon is to take the lasso of truth, pull Superman's spinal column out of his body, braid the lasso of truth through his spinal column and skull and fashion it into a jagged whip made of Kryptonian bones. (laughs) So you get to see Wonder Woman fighting an army of monsters whipping around Clark Kent's Spine and skull, bruh. <laughs> I was lost. I it, it's it's vicious. It's beautiful. Part of it legitimately made me cry. Um, it's and I it's freaking awesome. So I I'm not gonna tell you. I'm not gonna tell you to read it. But it's straight up your loss if you don't. So you you might have just told me to read it. Got it. Uh, I'm telling you to read it. Um, you also need to read uh, DC Unkillables. Um, yes. Yes. The Fine. trade is out. Go buy it. Tell your local shop to order it, whatever, but go get it. Um, but no, I, I'm telling you guys, if you like horror, if you like monsters, if you like bananas action, or and you just like a good comic book story, this is fantastic. Um, Boom. So that, that's it. I'm, I'm done. Man, I don't have anything that good on my list. <laughs> this has been the Pull List Podcast. Thanks for listening, everyone. No. All right. Here we go. So, um, in my slew of, I did a bunch <laughs> of number ones again. You did, and you I did. feel, but it's been like crazy. What it's been like the last four months is that everybody's like, the, "Here's the new thing," but let's start with the old thing. So, Flash is in its final arc with Williamson at the helm, and Reverse Flash has been doing like the most Reverse Flash things possible in the middle of this story. Now, granted. The thing I am still most impressed by is that Williamson has told us a story from the very beginning of Rebirth that the main bad guy has been the freaking turtle. (laughs) 
So the guy that could slow down time is like the main bad guy that keeps showing up. We've gotten Captain Cold and the trickster and like all of the original rogues gallery. But the center of this story is still on the dude that's like, yeah, I can move really slow. But the reverse flash is messing with the universe as one does because Barry Allen and Thrawn, your bard, um, do absolute like carnage to the time stream. It's literally their existence. If you've seen any iteration of the flash on television through CW to reading comics in the last five to 10 years or even beyond that. And even in the movies, Barry Allen screws up time travel. That is the subline of every flash story. And, the reverse flash is just like, cool, I'm going to keep messing with this. And there's some important DC continuity things. The reason that I'm talking about 761, not just that we're getting to the end of this crazy battle, is we now know a few things about DC continuity because of the reverse flash. Um, and so I'm going to spoil a few things, but they're things that are very old. So if you want to find out what's going on, then you pause here and then come back after you've read 761. Um is this issue actually tied directly to Heroes in Crisis, which surprised me because that is something that I did not expect to come. And what we find out about what the reverse flash has learned to do is to travel through time, exist in time. And he's found a way to basically through his, you know, vibration thing that we all know that the flashes can do is that he can implant ideas into people's minds that they think are their own. And if you remember Heroes in Crisis, you might start figuring out where this is going. Do tell, but do tell. Ba- I want to know. Basically, yeah, what happened here is he shows us a bunch of images from all the way back to Batman and the Flash and the button. He shows them looking at the button doing the, why haven't we talked about this in forever? And thank you for someone bringing it back up in DC continuity, because um, that was starting to bother me. And the the thing that he implanted in Batman and Flash's mind was, well, maybe we don't need to worry about this right now, or that basically the button scares them, so we'll come back to it later. But the Wally West thing is that he implants in his mind is, no one will ever believe what you did um from the heroes in crisis moment so he basically convinced him of what we knew that he was like i'm gonna cover up what occurred because no one would understand or believe that that's actually what happened but the point to doing this is we now know that the reverse flash has traveled throughout a whole bunch of rebirth continuity and when really weird or questionable actions took place if it wasn't fully insinuated, it was at least partially insinuated that that was the reverse flash messing with the entire rebirth timeline. So you've got Dr. Manhattan up until the rebirth timeline. And now that we've actually landed at a place where Dr. Manhattan's not screwing with us anymore. Now we've got Thong. Supposedly. And it's pretty, and it's interesting because the other thing that they did is that page in the middle of 761 is drawn in the same style of all the Watchmen adjacent books. It's a nine panel straight panel um, page and it looks different from the rest of the book. Like honestly, fam from a DC continuity and just like storytelling in general, this was a really brilliant, like some people are like, I don't know if I like this, but the more and more I kind of bathe in what they did and why I'm like, this is actually kind of smart. 
because it's tying together stuff, whether this was the intention or not, because we don't know what's coming next because of the whole lack of 5G and everything, that we're now starting to get pieces of how all the what appeared as not related but related continuity stuff is suddenly related again. And it's in the flashbook. Um, who knew? Um, so this is me being a total flash nerd, but also being like, wow, if you really care about DC continuity, you need to back up the bus and catch what's going on. So now into my slew of number ones. Um, let's finish up with our DC property. I did read the new Hellblazer Rise and Fall uh, Black Label. So Constantine in Hellblazer and regular books disappeared. We get Hellblazer Rise and Fall in this, you know, the giant magazine size Black Label. And it's pretty much everything that I think most Constantine fans are looking for. Um it's a murder mystery type story. There's demons and there's magic stuff. He swears a lot and lots of things catch on fire. Does anyone have any questions about what a Hellblazer book looks like? No? Anyone? Yep. That's pretty much what you got. I don't know if it's good, bad, or indifferent, but it's about what I expect out of John Constantine as a character and Hellblazer as a book. So I think until I know who the big bad is... Um, which they kind of give us clues to, but there's not a ton there. I'm just kind of lying. Isn't this and wait. book already canceled? No, no. This is the black label. It's a it's a four or six part. The regular oh, okay, Hellblazer okay, okay. has been canceled. That's why it's like, right? What are we doing here? Well, that's what we're doing. Is you got a Hellblazer where he actually swears instead of just you know reading gibberish on a regular D- DC comic. So John Constantine doing John Constantine things. I think most fans will probably be happy with what's going on. Um, if you're looking for PG-13, it's not here. Move on. Um, but next, I spent some time over in Marvel Land because they've been dropping tons of new titles kind of left and right. And one of those, which they delayed till now, um, was the return of Black Widow. I definitely wanted to pick it up and see where we were at, if it would tie to what's going on um, eventually when we get the movie and everything, because that's why they held it was they wanted it to come out closer to when we actually get to eventually see the movie. Um, And I really kind of enjoyed it. I'm typically skeptical of a lot of Marvel properties when they do that close to movie release that they generally don't seem to be strong. But this one is uh, she's been literally off the grid um, for a while. Um, And because she did disappear at the end of the last one, from what I remember, because I remember reading the end that um, and there were some follow on stories with Hawkeye and um, Bucky where they were looking for her. And that's kind of where we pick up. And they kind of accidentally see her and she has amnesia, does not know what her previous life was, but they demonstrate that she's like, oh, I naturally know how to ride a motorcycle. She's married. Um, and so it's is like a long an, kiss goodnight. Yeah, I guess more or less. So. So, yeah, she's Marvel's and, revolutionary new idea is the 1990s <laughs> action movie starring Gina Davis and Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, basically. Okay, cool. But we get we're going to get. um Hawkeye, we're going to get Bucky and international spy stuff and her riding motorcycles, but she doesn't know who she is. And she just kind of wandered past a news camera and like everyone went, wait a minute, even bad guys. So that's kind of the setup of the first issue is Bucky and um, Clint are like, wait. And then a bunch of bad guys are like, there's the target. (laughs) And I'm like, "Okay, I'm down. This is comics. I'm in. Um, So good job. Uh, I thought it was really fun. I will read another issue of that for sure. Um, But then I finished out my Marvel reading during this period because 
I guess it's near Halloween and I'm an idiot for anything that has the word zombie in it and read Marvel Zombies Resurrection number one. This was another one for us, I suppose, that I walked by the rack and I saw a picture of Galactus on the cover and went, ooh. Um, this was a really big book, first of all. I don't know what the page count on it was, but it was not 30-something. <laughs> it was gigantic. And lots of rotting flesh and craziness and all that good stuff, as one would expect from anything with the words Marvel and zombies in it. But I hit the end of it, and I still kind of don't really know what's going on or care. And that's unfortunate because at least some of these stories kind of give us a why we're here and everything. But this particular one, for some reason, is centering around the X-Men side of the universe more so than anything. So there was lots of stuff going on on their side with rotting flesh and random zombieism and stuff like that. So it's a pretty zombie book, but I don't really know what I read. <laughs> um and that kind of is a bad look in the long run for for random comics. But I guess I'll pick up the second one to see if they make something of the mess that was the first. And that's kind of where I am with some of these companies of you keep asking us why some comic readers are like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm out. Well, it's because we get 17 number ones in a week. We feel some reason to actually try them all. And maybe one of them was good. Just just, just write just write good stuff. I mean, or make it look really pretty. And I guess if I came away with anything was that was a pretty zombie book for sure. So those were kind of like my general pulls. And I guess I sh we should wander into the like the number ones that were like, no, seriously, you should actually read these. Sure. Um, and so I'm going to cheat because I do that. It's like I, it's my podcast or something. Um, but uh, Grendel, Kentucky came out during this period and... Yes, full disclosure, it's one of those that Tommy Lee Edwards uh, did the drawing for and is part of the story making and all that good stuff. And he was our partners at NC Comic Con. His son, Henry, worked for us. Um, and I miss him dearly. And part of this is the main characters are based on Tommy's kids. Um, they're drawn exactly as they are. Um, so I picked up Grendel, Kentucky. And I was like, hey, it's Henry. <laughs> um, so the dude with the shotgun like exists. It's his, it's his son. And he's a cool dude. And he plays lots of Dungeons and Dragons and taught me cool things about D&D. Hi, Henry. Um, but what this story is, is a modern day retelling of Beowulf in uh, rural Kentucky. It involves biker gangs, weed farmers, and something that lives in, in a mine that we haven't quite figured out what it is yet. So if you're See, looking for... See, if you would have told me this was a retelling of Beowulf, I would have jumped on it. I honestly didn't fully know that until I picked it up and I was like, oh, that's what's going on. Um, and it's really cool. And so it's from AWA, which seems to be really growing in terms of presence on shelves during all this because they just like went into hustle mode when COVID hit. And there's a couple other titles out there that carry their moniker and I'm forgetting right now that I'm seeing more and more on the shelf. So I'd look out for stuff coming out of that shop. Um, but this is a beautiful book. Tommy puts a lot of work into his stuff and he draws stuff really big. Um, he doesn't do normal, um, comic size stuff. He usually draws big and it gets shrunk, um, which is kind of cool, but he has a very explicit style and you can kind of pick it up through this book. But yeah, it's just fun that he usually models a lot of stuff on people around him or people that he care about. And his kids are in a lot of stuff, um, because that dude loves his family. Um, so if you can find it, read it. It it is an adult book. Like I said, weed farmers, biker gangs, lots of swearing, but it is a Beowulf modern uh telling and it's pretty neat so far. 
But that leaves me with my actual, like, completely no strings attached. What did I just read? And oh my goodness, other people need to read this, I think, because A, it's it's visually stunning, and B, the concept is so off the wall that I was like, okay, we need to figure this out. And that was, stay with me, long title. We Only Find Them When They're Dead is the title of the book. It's from Boom Studios. And this thing just made my head hurt because the cover doesn't tell you a whole lot. They didn't give a whole lot of background in the solicitation. But as you read the story, you're basically unfolding this sci-fi way in the future type thing of these ships that are called autopsy autopsy ships, which seemed weird as you're beginning to read. And then you're starting to realize what they're actually talking about, that they are literally these surgical ships that go and find these gigantic dead gods um, in this universe that they then literally mine for resources, flesh, fat, chemicals, etc. So like and that there's... nowhere in Marvel. Yeah, similar, I guess. Um, because that's what we see in Guardians. Yeah, that's very Guardians similar to movie. nowhere. Um, except whatever's going on in this world is there's multiple of these gods. Um, we don't know where they come from, what they ascribe, etc. We just know that they die and that all these independent autopsy corporations show up with permits for very specific things that they're allowed to mine and stuff. So it's a really weird story that they establish a lot of like bureaucracy in. And I never thought I'd be interested in space autopsy bureaucracy, but here I am. Um, and part of it is that there's some organizations that are kind of fighting each other because, you know, certain things are worth more money. So they try to, you know, get stuff they're not supposed to so that they can get more money and all that. But the captain of the ship that we start with is fascinated with the gods. And he talks about the fact that, you know, as the name of the book implies, we only find them when they're dead is, well, what about them alive? Now, we don't know what motivation he has for that, but that's kind of the setup of the first issue is we learn all these pieces of this universe. And he's like, I think I can find one that's alive. And I'm just like, bruh. I, I, my brain kind of hurts with all the concepts that are involved here, but I want to know more. It's kind of morbid, but it's a really interesting setup. And I got to give credit to comics that make me stop and go, what? Well, and I don't. When you, <laughs> yeah. When you when you mentioned this, it actually made me have a flashback to. Did you ever watch the sketch comedy series Kids in the Hall? Yes. There was a sketch in Kids in the Hall where and please understand, I'm talking about stupid fiction from Canada. And I know it's not biblically accurate. Um, Hi, but uh, there's a, a kids in the hall sketch where they find God's body because God has died. And that's how they found him because he's invisible. And they found his body because somebody tripped over him in like Burbank or something. <laughs> um, and so like when, you, like when I started flipping through the concept of this, I'm like, oh, this is like the galactic version of that kids in the hall sketch. Things to bring you thought. <laughs> Deep thoughts with Hector. All right. So as we kind of come to our time here, what was the number one thing that jumped off the shelves for you this week? Uh, past weeks. Cyberpunk was really fun. Uh, it's one of those games. It's, you know, a game tie. I did Cyberpunk's uh, trauma team, and it's basically a uh, where if you're a EMT driver and ambulance person, you know, like a lifesavery person, you yeah. have to also be a fully trained soldier. Oh, okay. 
So, like, not only do you have to try and save people, but you have to try and save people while shooting bad guys or whatever. Um, like combat pe- medic, got it. Yeah, but that's the only kind of medic that exists. Okay. Like, the world is such crap that you have to be, like, in full combat mode if you need an ambulance. But apparently ambulances are only available for people with money. Like, even, I, I know ah, that's how it sounds there now. There it is. But you have to have, like, gobs of money. And that when you an ambulance is called, you have to, like, pay, like, a fortune. Which is kind of like it is now, just more violent. Um, but it, the whole story centers around uh, one woman who, uh, she was the only person from her medic team to survive. And she's trying to get cleared back to active combat. Or active rescue. And it was a good story. Um, So that... I also read Bill and Ted number one, which is an official canon sequel to the first two movies and an official canon prequel to the third movie. Which, by the way, the third movie was absolutely fantastic. It's much better than the first two, and I enjoyed it immensely. I'm done. (laughs) And that's Hector. So... Normally where we jump in at this part of the show is our favorite out-of-context panels. We're probably going to skip this week, but we do need to inform all of you. We had our first wiener wiener chicken dinner on uh, our panels from the last episode, and Todd Turner just reads too many comics, but he already knew that. So we're going to work on getting him his swag bundle. I actually talked to him right before this. See, boom, we're going to get him his swag. So yeah, we're we're not kidding. We're not just making stuff up, being like, "Hey, we're gonna give you stuff if you win." No, we're we're uh, seriously gonna. Can, can do I throw it. Can I throw a quote out? I promise I'll be quick. Ah, so Hector wants to challenge you this week. So I do. I All do. right, prepare hey, yourselves for out of context comics quotes. Now, Boom. Uh, this this the whoever gets this will get a brand new graphic novel. Um, and Ooh. we will mail that to you. So here is my out of comic out of context comic quote. Ready and go. I'm terribly sorry to interrupt the pastoral beauty of this moment. End quote. Oh, dang. Yeah. If we're, if we're playing obscurity, then yeah, I'm throwing mine into the mix as well. Um, because yeah, that's solid. That's going to make my head hurt, but here you go. So listen closely. Chris's out of context, uh, panel is, do I believe a bear killed my daddy? Well, just based that, on your recommendation, I feel like that has to be the Grindel, Kentucky thing. It it it, it, ha- it very well could be. So <laughs> I will be sending Hector. <laughs> and isn't that great? Is that you're like, yeah, that that seems really easy. There's more to that quote, but it it involves some bad words. Oh, it's bad words. All right. <laughs> so, so Hector, if you want to drop that one on everybody one more time, because I think yours is is going to take some digging. All right, here it is. I'm terribly sorry to interrupt the pastoral beauty of this moment. That there you go. So congratulations again to Todd for figuring us out last week and uh, good luck on this week's. So that's it for here, for here, blah, blah. See, that's it. We got so excited. We were doing so well, but that's it for us here at the Polis podcast. Episode 11 of season two is now in the books and it's now in your ears, but we couldn't possibly do this alone. As many of you know, we take this epic journey of podcasts and fandom with a cross section of other podcasts at love thy nerd. And you can hit them up over at the love thy nerd podcast network at love thy nerd.com. Go ahead and click on listen. You can see a cross section of new shows and we're just constantly adding stuff to the network and it's really exciting that we continue to grow and cover all kinds of different fandoms so 
Again, Hector and I just want to thank each and every one of you for choosing us as your primary comic book knowledge factory on a near bi-weekly basis. We've been doing pretty good lately. Um, so don't leave us hanging. Rate and review the show on your podcasting app of choice. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio. Um, they keep adding things. We're even on SoundCloud. How crazy is that? We're like everywhere. So everyone, Ooh, thanks for listening. Are we rappers now? I mean, maybe we could be. No, no, maybe not. But well, we could be. But fam, seriously, thanks for listening. And remember, kids, read more comics. I'm going to take all seven continents in the game of risk.